When it rains, it pours. And right now there is a storm brewing over Joe Biden's head. Three huge stories just dropped pertaining to the Biden Burisma Ukraine scandal. First, Republicans have issued a subpoena into a lobbying firm that was representing Burisma, where Joe Biden's son was on the board. Next, a series of phone calls have been released between Joe Biden and the former president of Ukraine, proving and showing the quid pro quo that Joe Biden had asked for. Now, some argue that wasn't inherently wrong, but we are getting new information, which raises questions about why Joe Biden wanted this prosecutor fired in the first place. And lastly, a judge has ordered that Joe Biden be listed as alleged perpetrator of crime in the prosecutor's firing. Now, of course, we're seeing many Democrats say it's just the Republicans targeting the Democrats in election year. But there are very real and very serious questions that need to be raised about what was going on with Joe Biden and why. Why did Joe Biden's son take a position on the board of a Ukrainian energy company where they were accusing this man of being corrupt? Why did Joe Biden want the prosecutor fired? The prosecutor says he was going to be investigating this company and potentially Biden's son. Why is it? that after Joe Biden got this prosecutor fired, allegedly for corruption, the new prosecutor, the new investigation found no evidence of wrongdoing and released, uh, closed the investigation, allowing this guy they accused of being corrupt to return home. And why is it that after Trump came into office, this man fled the country and a new investigation was being reopened? It does seem like there are very important questions that need to be answered. Of course, for tribal reasons, the left is rejecting this. But I'll tell you what, After several years of Russiagate, I think it's only fair to answer these questions. And there's a lot of questions being brought up. Was this nepotism? Look, I got to be honest. It seems like Joe Biden's son was trying to use his name to make a ton of money. And at the very least, the American people have a right to know about that, correct? But let's take a look at some of the uh, at the stories, see exactly what's going on. And I will remind you, with these phone calls being released, they may be edited, There are people who are seeking to corrupt your good judgment and reason because they want your vote. It's all they care about. I don't care if they're left or right. You've got to be very careful about this stuff. Everybody on the left who 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 was dancing up and down, twirling the baton over the Russiagate and were proven wrong have to answer for this. And of course, they don't want to. You got to be careful because if you play this game and it turns out there was nothing here, you will be exactly the same as them. I still think there are interesting questions that need to be answered. And that could be my naivete. See, during the Russiagate scandal, I entertained that as well. And I think, you know, maybe I'm a bit too trusting. But what can you do? You have serious allegations in Ukraine. They're pointing the finger at Joe Biden. Let's read these stories and see what's going on. This is big news. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. But the best thing you can do is share this video because I don't have the resources to compete with the mainstream media. YouTube likes to prop up CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. And the only way I can actually go up against them, actually a a more powerful way is if you share this video. That's more powerful than any marketing budget ever. If you just want to watch or listen, then please hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the notification bell. And uh, hopefully that will be enough for YouTube to recommend my content in the future. The first story from the Washington Post, targeting Hunter Biden, Senate panel approves subpoena for lobbying firm over Democrats objections. WAPO reports, a Senate committee moved Wednesday to subpoena documents related to the son of presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden in an escalation of GOP congressional scrutiny into Biden's time as vice president. The Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee approved the subpoena on a party line vote 
more than two months after its chairman, Senator Ron Johnson first indicated he planned to seek the documents concerning Hunter Biden's work for a Ukrainian energy company, Burisma. Johnson's quest has generated fierce objection from Democrats who argue the probe is simply an election year witch hunt meant to sling mud at President Trump's likely November opponent. Some, including the committee's top Democrat, have suggested that Johnson is serving as an unwinning pawn in a Russian disinformation campaign. (laughs) I'm sorry, you don't get to swing that one around this time. Before Trump got elected, during the campaign, after he got elected, they screamed Russian disinformation over and over again. They're trying it now. What you don't, what, what they don't understand, okay, Democrats, what you don't understand is that when you come out and scream Russian disinformation, you are justifying the investigation into Biden. Because if you think you have a right to, to launch a special counsel investigation of Trump over Russian collusion, and even after it's proven wrong, still to this day argue this is what's happening, well, then why wouldn't Republicans say, OK, then we'll investigate? Wouldn't it make sense then to investigate Joe Biden to, de- to, uh, to determine whether or not it is Russian investigation, uh, uh, r- r- whether it is Russian interference? If it is, then perhaps this Ukrainian investigation into Biden will prove whether or not we are being fed disinformation, correct? So you can consider this an offshoot of the Russia investigation. You'd want to continue that, right? Let's read some more. Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat, said uh, on the committee, said Wednesday that the panel was going down a dangerous road at a time of national crisis. At this moment, when Americans need us to work together, this extremely partisan investigation is pulling us apart. The subpoena comes as Republicans have ramped up their efforts to investigate the administration of former President Barack Obama, a campaign they say is meant to uncover malfeasance in targeting then-candidate and president-elect Donald Trump for unwarranted investigation. Democrats say it's simply... It is simply another front in, Republican, in, in, in a Republican campaign to rough up Biden ahead of the election. Senator Lindsey Graham is seeking a list of Obama administration officials who may have sought to reveal the names of Trump-connected figures in anonymized foreign intelligence dragnets, an effort that could advance a narrative that the former president and his allies conspired to inappropriately target Trump, one that Trump himself has dubbed Obamagate. But experts say veil... Veiled names and intelligence materials are routinely, quote, unmasked by government officials who are seeking to understand the context of what they are reviewing and unmasking itself does not show evidence of wrongdoing. Johnson's subpoena targets documents and testimony in the custody of Blue Star Strategies, a lobbying firm that acted on behalf of Burisma and employed, employed Andriy Andri Telezhenko, a Ukrainian national linked to the energy company. Burisma employed Hunter Biden as a board member, paying him hundreds of thousands of dollars for a sinecure that he has acknowledged was due at least in part to his father's famous name. So the question is, when this company was under investigation, its founder under investigation, did Joe Biden intervene specifically because his son was being threatened? In my personal opinion, from looking at all the data and going over the story several times now, which we're going to go over again, unfortunately, for those that already know the story, we're going to have to. It seems to me that Joe Biden has he has one son left. He lost his other son. It's a sad story. And now he has Hunter Biden, who's kind of messed up and been involved in a lot of really, really awful criminal things, according to numerous news reports. When he heard that his son was in danger of being investigated, he intervened and he used a quid pro quo. It is no secret that Joe Biden said to the former president, if you want a billion dollar loan guarantee, fire the prosecutor. And what was that prosecutor doing? Depending on your source, 
holding an investigation into Burisma, the company where Joe Biden's son was working. Now, some people in media and on the left argue that there was no investigation. However, there was. It was just dormant. That doesn't mean the investigation wouldn't move forward. But that's what the left has argued. There was an investigation at the very least. And perhaps that was enough for Joe Biden. Maybe he got wind of something. I don't know. That's just my opinion. What we know is that Joe Biden did, in fact, offer up the quid pro quo. The left argues the quid pro quo is routine. Tying you know, foreign loans to other countries in exchange for certain activities is normal, they say. Now, when Donald Trump was talking to Ukraine, the new president, and said that he, he, was, he was concerned about what happened with Biden and Burisma, they said he was trying to dig up dirt on a political rival. Look, there are various ways you can, you can, you can uh, look into this story. But the right argues that Donald Trump was digging into the corruption of Joe Biden. And if you believe that's why Trump did it, then you think that Joe Biden is corrupt. And there's various sources that that corroborate this. It's really hard to know for sure. Based on my assessment, I do believe Joe Biden is corrupt. And it's not just about the current political trends or tribes. It's about the fact that for years, the mainstream media said the Bidens were corrupt. They said it was soft corruption that Joe Biden's family members were profiting off his name. So it stands to reason Joe Biden did this for this reason. But I want to make another point. We complain. Even now, the Democrats are complaining that the Russians, Russian disinformation is interfering in the elections. We're hearing that China might interfere with our, with our elections. How does it make sense that we are somehow above everyone else in interfering with the politics of another country? Leaked phone calls just came out between Poroshenko, the former president of Ukraine, and Joe Biden. We don't know if they're authentic, but the media is certainly entertaining them as if they are. There are some problems with the there are some problems with the calls. I believe they were edited to change the context. They may have originated as real files. I can't tell you for sure. I don't know. But the Washington Post reports Ukrainian lawmaker releases leaked phone calls of Biden and Poroshenko. What's funny about these stories is that instead of just telling you what the phone calls are, they desperately seek to defend Joe Biden. And that's why I have a really hard time believing the Washington Post when it comes to these stories. Now, when it comes to the Democrats versus the Republicans, they show you, here's what the Democrats said, here's what the Republicans said. But that's simple. You can actually see them saying it. It's a cut and dry story. When it comes to these leaked phone calls, they immediately go after the character of Andrei Durkacz, an independent member of Ukraine's parliament who previously aligned with a pro-Russian faction and how he's the one who leaked these. They say he has past links to Russian intelligence. He, you know, his, his family was KGB and things like that. Fine, 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 fine. But you're gonna have to prove or disprove the audio. It sounds like what the Washington Post is saying with the headline is straight up, these are, that's it. They are phone calls of Biden and Poroshenko. All I needed to know, because there is some damning evidence in these phone calls. Not a smoking gun, not the end of the world, just some questions getting raised. I've seen a lot of journalists try to dismiss these leaked phone calls. I'm sorry, there's something significant here. The one and most important significant piece is this. In the phone call, the former president of Ukraine says, despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about him doing something wrong. He goes, well, I don't want to play the video, but he was on to say, I specifically asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday. I specifically asked him, asked him to resign in, uh, as his uh, position as a state person. Poroshenko then goes on to mention that uh, Shokin, the prosecutor who got fired at the behest of Joe Biden, had the support of the government. Now, what people are saying in response to this 
is uh, here's what he said. And despite of the fact that he has support of the uh, uh, has a support of people in power uh, and as him finish my meeting, he promised to give me the statement on resignation. And one hour ago, he brings me the written statement of his resignation. OK, so here's what we learned from this phone call. Assuming it's real, it could be edited. Poroshenko told Biden, I have, you know, based on like basically what you asked for, even though there's no evidence of corruption or wrongdoing, I've asked for his resignation. Even though people in power support him, I've asked for his resignation and he's tendered this. And Biden says, great, good, I agree. Personally, I think these calls are a little strange, but I'm not seeing these mainstream journalists actually refute that that point was made. They simply brush it off. Simon Ostrovsky, I, I previously worked at Advice News and I defer to him. He's the expert. But he does have a more mainstream perspective, which tends to lean left on what's really going on. That's fine. But he mentions this. He says people are jumping on the thread saying, but Poroshenko tells Biden the prosecutor wasn't corrupt. If Poroshenko thought he was corrupt, there wouldn't have been much need for a pressure campaign to get rid of him, would there? Poroshenko defended him publicly at the time, too. That's not a defense of what we're reading at all. I'm sorry. If Victor Shokin was not corrupt, and was going to investigate corruption, and Ukraine had no evidence of corruption, and the government supported him, what makes Joe Biden the expert? In fact, the allegation was that Joe Biden in December of 2015 intervened, saying, I want this guy fired. Why? The media has argued it's because Burisma's founder was not being investigated. That was the problem. So December of 2015, let's jump over to Wikipedia and see this little snippet where they say about, this is uh, uh, Mykola Zlachevsky. He's the guy who founded Burisma, where, where Joe Biden's son worked. Read this. At the end of January 2015, the Central Criminal Court in London released the $23 million that were blocked on the accounts of Zlachevsky due to inadequate evidence. Stop. At the end of that year, apparently Joe Biden then intervened. Maybe I have my, date, my dates wrong, so fact me on this one. But I, my understanding is the accusation is that Joe Biden in 2015 said at the, in December, I want this guy fired. The media has argued it's because he wasn't investigating Burisma. But hold on. The Central Criminal Court in London released Zalczewski's money in January. If even the international uh, organizations like in London were saying we don't have evidence, what gives Joe Biden the right to supersede Ukraine's own government with no evidence of corruption and the supporting government that said he did no wrong? And now here's what I think may be actually a wedge in the door on the issue. In June of 2018, the serious fraud office stated the, stated the case was closed. Zlachevsky returned to Ukraine in February 2018 after investigations into his Burisma holdings had completed in December 2017 with no charges filed against him. Hold on a second. January. Central Court of London, the, the supposed Western intelligence releases the guy's money citing inadequate evidence. Joe Biden comes in December 2015 and says, fire the guy or you don't get a billion dollars. Shokin argues he was going to investigate Burisma and Joe Biden's son. Two years later, in December, they closed the case, no charges filed. But wait a minute, they did fire the prosecutor. That would mean that this prosecutor who got fired by, because of Joe Biden was right. So what, Joe Biden got an innocent guy fired? There were no charges against him. The state supported him and Joe Biden got him fired. How is that a good thing at all? At the very least, we can see Joe Biden meddling in foreign affairs being completely ineffective because I kid you not, 
The new guy who gets appointed didn't go after Zlochevsky at all. So Biden was completely ineffective in cleaning up any kind of corruption by making this move. But more importantly, Stan Stan the guy he put in, didn't go after any charges. But I thought that's what Joe Biden wanted. What's that? In 2018, in April, an alleged recording of part of a conversation between Poroshenko and fugitive lawmaker Poroshenko was released. He implicated Zlochevsky in graft. June 25th, uh, on June 2018, 15th. Uh, basically, I want to I want to jump to the to the front of this. Basically, they've reopened an investigation in him. According to Ukrainian authorities, Zlochevsky is suspected of theft of government funds on an especially large scale. They said the criminal investigation of on suspicion of embezzlement is currently on hold because his his whereabouts cannot be presently de, uh, cannot presently be determined. He is reportedly in Monaco. All right. So Joe Biden gets a new guy put in. They all agree apparently. This, this, this phone call comes out showing that Biden was told there's no charges of corruption. Biden didn't care, assuming the calls are real. And then the new guy comes in, doesn't bring any charges against him. This all sounds kind of suspicious, doesn't it? Enough to ask some questions. Yes, but for partisan reasons, it's very difficult to get to the bottom of this. And the media is defending Joe Biden for very obvious reasons. But now we have the last story. A Ukraine judge orders Joe Biden to be listed as alleged perpetrator of crime in prosecutors firing. Latest twist in Ukraine impeachment drama could stretch into Biden's fall campaign as fired prosecutor seeks a legal remedy in courts. I'm going to stop right here because I don't like any of this. I don't like any of this at all. During Russiagate, we all played this game and boy, we better be careful now. They said, why was Michael Flynn talking to these Russians? Why was he lying? What did he have to hide? CNN said the same thing. They, they, people are putting up montages today of Jake Tapper and Brian Stelter talking about Russia, Russia, Russia. MSNBC did. Will we find ourselves in a year asking ourselves how we got this so wrong? Why were these questions being raised? What was, what was the real purpose behind them? Perhaps. I personally question Hunter Biden being on the board of Burisma. That's why I lean towards this is probably the wrong thing. You know, simply because Russiagate was false doesn't mean, you know, uh, Burisma Gate or whatever you want to call her, Joe Biden's scandal is false. This could be the real one. In fact, they could have been going after Trump because Trump, uh, trying to impeach him because he was close to uncovering this. I really don't know. What I can say is I don't like these things in election years. It is just too darn convenient. But what is it? Every four years, we went through years of Russiagate. And in many regards, we are still in the thick of things. I mean, this story is still a big part of it. It's possible Joe Biden is completely corrupt. And I think so. We've seen the stories going back years. And now in Ukraine, they certainly look at it as, you know, as such that he's the alleged perpetrator of a crime. It doesn't mean he's convicted. It means the court is recognizing his name. One of the weirdest things that we've seen so far is that we do know that Ukrainian officials were seeking to meddle in the 2016 election, not on a grand scale, but there were, you know, people giving out information, which ultimately resulted in the uh, arrest of Trump's, uh, one of Trump's, you know, uh, confidants or, you know, campaign staffers, Paul Manafort. And this was directly because Ukraine leaked information to some DNC operatives. That's, that's my understanding. I could be wrong. There are a lot of people who are trying to corrupt the system. They're trying to win by any means necessary. I'm no fan of Joe Biden, but I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm wary of how my bias may, may affect my view of the story and how this may eventually translate into the election in November. But I've got to be honest. I think it is more likely than not uh, Joe Biden is corrupt. And I don't think Trump necessarily has a reason to use this as a campaign strategy simply because Joe Biden has so many other problems. His falling asleep, presumably, his gaffes, his stuttering, his inability to speak. 
he can't handle a debate. I don't think Trump has much of competition against Joe Biden. In fact, I think the real reason to go after Joe Biden is because there's actually corruption here. His son got a job for a company that the U.S. said was corrupt. I mean, that's weird enough. Then you've got all the dealings with China and all these other weird circumstances surrounding Joe Biden. There, there have been stories that have popped up about you know Ukraine and, and working with Democrats, some phone calls that were released. And, uh, and apparently, again, this is a very complicated, complex, conspiratorial story, to be honest. The argument was many people in Ukraine thought Clinton would have been favorable for them. Trump would have done good for the American people, but Clinton would have been better for them as they deal with Russia and you know other adversaries. Because of this, they sought to interfere to aid Hillary Clinton. Now, a lot of countries do stuff like this. It may not be completely unique, but what's strange is that the media tried to write this off and say it wasn't true. How on Meet the Press, Chuck Todd laughed at Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz said, yeah, the New York Times reported it, Politico reported it. The reporting of Ukraine meddling is all over the place. I don't know about Joe Biden, man, but uh, we're going to see these subpoenas. We're going to see investigations into what he's doing. And it may actually translate into something really bad for Joe Biden come November. And you know what? I know I said that Joe Biden's got a lot of bad things about him that Trump can use. Maybe there is a real reason the Trump campaign, the Republicans are actively seeking everything they can against Joe Biden. You got to realize, man, Biden could win. He could. I would laugh. I doubt it. But hey, everybody thought Trump was going to lose. And then Trump won. A new story from the Washington Post says Trump Biden voters could decide the 2020 election. They basically say there's about 9% of Obama voters who switched to Trump. And a good portion of these people are actually entertaining voting for Joe Biden. It makes sense. They're Obama voters. It's nostalgia, right? They want to vote for the previous administration. They liked it. I didn't. You have to overlook a whole lot of atrocities and arguably war crimes in order to justify Joe Biden and the Obama administration. They ask, will parties switching influence the 2020 election? Our analysis suggests that yes, a significant number of Trump's 2016 voters are ready to vote for Joe Biden. Maybe it's wrong. Trump's base is bigger. His approval rating is higher than when, than when he was elected in the first place. Maybe the polls have all been wrong. Maybe Trump's stealth voters will come out. Or maybe none of these things matter. Maybe it's a culture war. And the people in the culture war, like sports teams, just want Donald Trump. And other people don't want Biden. They just don't want Trump. So we'll see how things play out. The Democrats are going to complain and argue that any investigation of Joe Biden is an attempt to undermine the election or to swing an election. The problem I have with this is how is this any different than from what they were doing against Trump in 2015? And if the answer is it isn't, then what do you want me to say? It's going to happen. You guys started, the, the Democrats started this game and now Republicans are just playing along. If Joe Biden gets implicated in something and it, just, it damages his chance at winning the, the presidency, well, then ask yourself who started the whole conspiracy in the first place and the investigations. It wasn't the Republicans. We'll see how things play out. I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got a couple more segments coming up for you at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast News. It is a different channel and I will see you there. I live in the South Jersey area, New Jersey. It's basically the Philadelphia suburb. The state is basically runoff for two big metropolitan areas, Philadelphia and New York City. The other day, there was a really big story about a gym very, very close to me called Atlas Gym that opened in defiance of the governor's executive decree. At first, the police said, you're all in violation of the decree. That being said, stay safe and have a nice day. Something to that effect. Everyone cheered. 
They later came back and issued citations to the business owners for for, uh, for, for being open in violation of the governor's decree. Then the other day, they actually arrested a dude who went in to work out at the gym. This is absolutely insane. We are facing an unprecedented crisis. We have the pandemic. I totally understand. We're nearing 100,000 people dead nationwide, most of it being concentrated in New York City. So I can understand why New Jersey is concerned. In North Jersey, you have a, por- a, por- a portion of the New York City metro. But this is getting insane arresting somebody for going to the gym, give him, a, give, him a, give him a fine or something at the very least. I mean, in my opinion, do nothing. Now, with all due respect to the business owners who open their gym, they put up signs saying, you know, respect law enforcement. Apparently, I don't know if it was them or someone who works for them, said on the bullhorn, you know, the law enforcement is being forced to do this. or They're, they're effectively being forced to do this. Nah, I don't buy it. Sorry, man. If you were directed to enforce something that is unconstitutional, that comes from executive decree, and you choose to do it. Nobody is forcing you to do that. You know why? It's America. If your boss comes to you and says, do something illegal, you say no. But these cops had no problem arresting a guy for going to the gym. Look at this. New Jersey fitness enthusiast is arrested after he works at a gym that opened in defiance of state stay at home order. So I'm gonna tell you what right now, this story is a little bit more personal than normal. The gym is minutes from where I live. I can literally hop in my car and be there in like 10 minutes or less. I am absolutely now going to make sure I, my, my business leaves New Jersey. I live here and I am absolutely going to make sure that all the expansions I do for my business happen somewhere else. This is insane. Okay, look at this. Coronavirus vaccine must be widely available before New Jersey fully reopens to new normal. It's going to take two years for a vaccine. I get it, man. The pandemic is bad, but the economic damage is getting absolutely insane. And it's very, very difficult to try and talk to people about why just dumping money into the economy makes literally no sense. Now, listen, I want to read you the story about this vaccine, because this is this is what people they're starting to say in New, in, in Los Angeles. That's what, that's what the, uh, Mayor Garcetti said, that, you know, it might be longer than uh, three months. The lockdown, we're going to need a vaccine before we can fully reopen. When was it ever about needing a vaccine to reopen? 15 days to slow the spread, right? That's what they said at first. Now we're nearing two months. Nearly 100,000 businesses have already been shuttered permanently. And you know what the, the most disgusting thing about all this is? The big chains, the big corporate chains will be fine. The rich people will be fine. You know what? I don't, I don't require patrons to come into my, my home for my business. For the most part, I mean, it would be great to have guests for the uh, Timcast IRL podcast, which we, can't, we, we haven't been able to do since the lockdown. But at first, I'm totally willing to entertain that you want things to be closed because we're facing a pandemic. Well, now we're facing a much more serious problem. And you're telling me that there's no there's no end in sight. This story about, you know, needing a vaccine is basically saying we will keep things locked down indefinitely. It is particularly irksome. Okay, living somewhere where there's nothing to do, nowhere to go. If I want to buy stuff, I got to order it and also acknowledge straight up the small businesses that and the specialty shops, skate shops and game shops are suffering, potentially going to go out of business. And then what happens when this is all done? All we have left is Walmart. Walmart's profits are skyrocketing. And New Jersey is straight up saying, we're going to need a vaccine. We're going to need a vaccine. But you can absolutely go to Lowe's and Home Depot. You can go to these big stores. No problem. I'm going to read this for you. And we're going to talk about what, what, is, what, is, what is now evolving into an indefinite lockdown by, gover- by executive decree? 
uh, as Governor Phil Murphy is the governor of New Jersey. So I, I apologize if this is a bit esoteric. I know many people don't live in New Jersey. It's not a nationwide thing. But considering what happened in Los Angeles, considering now what we're hearing from the governor of New Jersey, don't be surprised if your state says we can't reopen. And then you know what they're going to do? Don't be surprised if they then come back and say mail-in ballots. It, it, it's, it's just so convenient for them, isn't it? Earlier, Donald Trump tweeted that in Michigan, they mailed out a bunch of uh, absentee ballots. My understanding is that, uh, well, a lot of journalists are saying that they mailed out absentee ballot applications. But surprise, surprise, Governor Whitmer of Michigan is saying we can't reopen and threatening people and, and, and lying about them. And what do we get in New Jersey? What's up with these blue states, man? That's, that, that's, that's, that, you know what? It's my fault, I guess. It, it really was a mistake to move to New Jersey. I thought it would be uh, no, no big deal. I had talked to some, uh, you know, uh, financial people for starting a business. And they were like, yeah, but the taxes are really high. And I'm like, you know what, though? Like, I like it, right? It, it's, it's, it's close. It's not in the big city. It's its own kind of thing. Now, huge mistake. This, this is probably, there's a couple reasons why New Jersey is, is not faring well in, in, Mary, in many areas, failing to attract bigger businesses. They're bleeding out millennials. This is probably why, okay? I want to be able to run my business in peace. I want to be able to enjoy myself. We can't do anything. We've been locked down for months. Fortunately for me, I have a really nice, I have a, I have a nice house. We've got a great backyard. I've built some stuff. So I'm okay, all right? But it is still frustrating because we, did, I, we never expected to have to be stuck in our houses doing nothing for months. Now you're going to try and extend it Bro, I'll tell you what, Murphy, I can take my business. Not that you care. Okay, I don't think my business is the most important business in the world, but I'm looking at getting a building. I'm looking at hiring staff and starting a big, you know, a news company, a media, a media company, bringing on more and more employees. I'm not going to do it here. All right. You want to have your indefinite lockdown until you deem that we can get a vaccine. By all means, go and do it with my blessing. And I'll go somewhere else where I don't have to deal with your ineptitude, ignorance and indecisiveness. Okay, you can't just tell everyone we don't know when, you know, we'll figure it out. Maybe a year, maybe a year you'll be able to get your business back. Nah, I'm sorry, dude. So I, 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 you know, I understand and respect these gym owners who are reopening in defiance of governor decree. And he actually threatened them directly. Yeah, you can't. We, 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 we can't live this way. Okay, why would I want to be in a state where you're telling me no business for you? I'll go somewhere else, bro. I don't need it. Take a look at this story. This, 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 is, this is the escalation of the insanity. As Governor Phil Murphy lifted more restrictions put in place to combat the coronavirus Monday, he also cautioned that the state would not fully reopen to a, quote, new normal until there's a vaccine widely available, something experts, may not ha- uh, experts say may not happen for some time. The cautionary statement was made at the state as the state continues to make gains with steady drops in hospitalization rates and a gradual reopening of some businesses with restrictions. But hospitals are still accepting new COVID patients on a daily basis, with 10,435 New Jersey residents have died and uh, have died since, since March. Now, my understanding is this is mostly North Jersey, New York City Metro. Until either a proven vaccine is in our midst or proven therapeutics are widely available, we cannot firmly enter the new normal, which eventually awaits us when life will once again return to all our workplaces, downtowns, and main streets, Murphy said during his regular COVID-19 briefing in Trenton. Dr. Anthony Fauci, a key member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, has said a vaccine is, po- is possible by early next year. So, so great for all of them that just after the, the election, you can open everything back up. 
under a rapidly advanced schedule, though other estimates put the timeline 18 months away. While there are trials ongoing, there's no approved coronavirus vaccine at present. You know what, man? Give me liberty or give me death was a statement made in all seriousness that we understand the risks, okay? What we need and what we've seen from the data. This flies in the face of that. Governor Murphy is completely inept, ignorant, incapable. Okay, this, we, we've already seen studies showing that those who have stayed home are more likely to get sick. We need sunlight, literal sunlight. We need to be further away from each other, meaning not crammed into tiny buildings. So perhaps no large gatherings, you know, uh, and, and enforced, uh, enforcing social distancing would be fine. That means you can open your gym. And many, many jurisdictions, many places around the world have already done so. We've already seen a lot of businesses reopen and they put up shields. Is this not enough? You want to see more businesses get shuttered. 100,000 small businesses have permanently closed. Permanently. That means these people, there is no new normal. There is no other side. You've already destroyed their lives. I get it, man. It's a pandemic. We got to do what we got to do to make sure we don't spread this. But if you paid attention to the science, you'd learn some very important things. They don't, though. The current information and best understanding we have so far, several studies have come out. Another study just came out showing that many, many more people have already been infected, meaning the mortality rate is substantially lower. Now, this, this is a novel virus. We get all this. That means that the likelihood that you can catch it is much, much greater than other, uh, other viruses. So that means we will see more people die than you know, any other virus, regardless of the mortality rate. But for the most part, we have to recognize that it, it looks like the lockdown is no longer viable for several reasons. There's one study, and I want to make sure it's clear that you know, the one study I've read, and it's just one, shows that the, peop- the, essential, the people going out and working are, have, have been less likely to actually get sick likely due to the fact that they're not in close quarters and they're outside more often. That being said, based on the economic damage, people's lives being destroyed, jobs being lost and rapid inflation, we are seeing the cost of food spike to a, a, a more than it's ever spiked since 1974. The cost of eggs is up apparently like 16%. That's from CNN, a 2.6% general increase in food. And we're just dumping money into the economy. It's not going to work. But Governor Murphy doesn't care. It doesn't seem like he's paying attention to the science. I think what, what he's really scared about is that if he, if he actually does what, what people need to do, he's going to look bad no matter what he does. Well, I'll tell you what, acting like an idiot and threatening small businesses is not the appropriate way to actually deal with this. Take a look at this story from Patch. And then I'm going to show you what really makes me angry. New Jersey gym warned by Governor Murphy reopens for second day, one arrested. Governor Murphy threatened this small gym directly. Amazing. It's exactly what the governor should be doing. Finding a small gym where these people are are saying we need to reopen and then you targeting them. So they they go on to mention, you know, we we know it's reopened. One one person was arrested. I want to find the quote from uh, Phil Murphy himself. The law offices of Jeff Henniger was offered to represent for free, uh, uh, for free gym members of, at Edelis Gym who get arrested in connection with violating the governor's executive order. Speaking during a Tuesday afternoon conference, Colonel Patrick J. Callahan, superintendent of the New Jersey State Police, said the Belmar Police Department and the Camden County Prosecutor's Office are looking into additional charges against patient. <laughs> Bro, I am going to do everything in my power to make sure my business leaves this state. You can have it. 
You can have your threat. More charges against them? Come on, man. Civil disobedience at worst. Will you get a ticket? Nope. Prosecutors, offices, and local law enforcement are the first lines of attack, Murphy said during the news conference, adding that the state was not there yet in reopening gyms. It's indoors. It's close. Physical activity. We're concerned about it. So what? Don't care. I'm over it. Take a look at what's going on in New York City. You want me, you want me to say, I can't go out. I can't go to the store, these stores. I can't go to the gym. Gyms can't reopen. <clears throat> this is what you get in New York City. NYPD investigates after shock videos show a massive street party in Brooklyn with revelers simulating sex, twerking on top of cars and crowding onto sidewalks without masks. People can go to the beach. People are partying in the streets. And, and, and what are they going to do about it? This is, what, this is what we get right now. Bravo. You have done everything wrong. I'm not saying I could do anything better. Man, I would never want to be involved in politics. This is, <laughs> this is just really, really bad. But you got people coming out in the streets, filming videos, nothing being done about it. In New York City, granted, I don't live in New York City, right? I'm in Jersey. You've got people flooding the bars, people standing in the streets, people drinking, no masks, no social distancing, but you get someone to go to the gym. Oh, governor's going to send somebody, somebody to, down to arrest you. And that's what we're watching. We're watching our businesses be shuttered. The responsible individuals who want to go out and take care of business like they need to do it. The people who have dedicated their lives to starting a career being punished, attacked and threatened with more charges. Meanwhile, videos surface of people twerking on top of cars. That's the society you think should be going on. I, I get it. Look, I understand. They don't want the parties to happen, but they can't do anything about it. The enforcement only goes so far as to threaten a small business owner who is willing to comply to varying degrees with the law. The, the, the people who go inside the gym and then get arrested, who stand calmly and politely and put their hands behind their back as you arrest them. The people who are saying, I will cooperate, but I'm standing defiant. And then we get to see this. The people who say, F you, get away with it. And that's exactly what you want people to recognize. You're showing people that those that have complete and utter disdain for your rules and your laws, they'll get away with it. They'll get away with it. It's damaging. It's a hundred times worse than opening a business, but uh, that's what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. Meanwhile, small businesses who are defying these orders are getting fined. In Oregon, Child Protective Services went to a salon owner's house targeting her children. That's a threat to their family. We know what that's all about. In Michigan, the governor is going after some 70-year-old barber because he wants to cut someone's hair. These people have lost the plot and they deserve what they get. When, when businesses pack up and leave, when revenue drops, that's, they're going to reap what they have sown. California is facing a $54 billion deficit. So what does Newsom say? The feds better bail us out or we're going to fire first responders. You know, man, these states have, have royally messed up. Florida, not nearly as bad as New York State. Never, never fully locked down. South Dakota, they screeched. They complained. They claimed South Dakota was, was the new hotspot. Nope. Actually going down. Never locked down. Your explanations for the lockdowns make literally no sense at this point. It definitely seems political. And of course, you can always count on people like this. San Francisco residents call police on drinkers crowding outside wine bars as local officials crack down on Americans looking to enjoy warmer weather amid stay at home orders. We got a First Amendment, the right to peaceably assemble. The Constitution doesn't say why. It just says we can. So if I want to peaceably assemble for a drink, y'all can't stop me. Now they're trying, but that's the law. 
they're breaking the law. My, uh, um, my, my, I'm impressed by all these snitches. There was a funny story in, in St. Louis. The people that were snitching on their neighbors had their names published, uh, publicly released because it's public information. So I'm going to do this. For those, for those that have been following my content, <clears throat> excuse me, you know that I've been talking about, we, we've got uh, Scanner ramping up, which is video production, editorially independent. Check out SCNR if you haven't already. This is going to be epic, you know, doing field reporting, on the ground reporting. We've even got, you know, people around the world. It's really, uh, really great stuff being put together by uh, Rocco Castoro, former uh, editor-in-chief of Vice, like the whole company. And uh, Emily Molly, who most of you know, I, I worked with for several years. They're, they're running that now, doing their thing. I'm also planning a fact-checking and news aggregator. And this means something amazing. Could have been something amazing for New Jersey. It means I'm looking, I've been looking for a long time for a large building because there's going to be a lot of new jobs. There's going to be a lot of new content, uh, uh, some new podcasts, new videos, uh, probably a retail storefront, all this really great stuff. And I was like, it would be cool to have something here. In fact, I found a building that I was almost going to get last year, uh, end of last year. It's an amazing building. Would have been perfect for everything in New Jersey, a state that is bleeding millennials that needs to attract young people to come. Otherwise, they're experiencing a brain drain of their skilled elites leaving. I'm not from here. I'm from Chicago. Okay. Lived in New York, decided to move down here like the Philly area. Now it's over, completely over. Upon seeing this arguments that we're going to have to get a new vaccine until the new normal can arrive where people can go to, you know, people will be walking around and going to businesses. Oh, we're going to need to, we're going to need a vaccine for that. Apparently you haven't been, been, been paying attention to what's going on with science and what's happening in other states. So you know what? I'm going to take my business elsewhere. I'm going to relocate. We'll do whatever we have to do because I don't, I, don't, I don't need to be here. I don't. All right. And it's unfortunate because, you know, I have this privilege. I do. The content I produce is digital. It appears on the internet. All of you who watch, you could be anywhere in the world. I feel bad for the people who own a gym and they rely on the community. And that is where things get really bad because they can't just up and move. The people who need that gym, who use that gym, if that gym left, they'd be without a gym. For all of you who watch me, no matter where I'm producing content from, you can watch. When we produce media and content, we can be anywhere. Now, as for the retail storefront idea, that does mean the people in the community won't have access to this, you know, hangout spot. It also means the great opportunity for New Jersey to have a a big space with some, you know, youthful influence, skateboarding, music, gaming, and all that stuff. It won't be here. And that's your fault. And the policies of New Jersey, you know what, man? It was stupid of me to move here in the first place. I should have known better. But hey, 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 hindsight's twenty twenty, right? It's, it's uh, you know, one of my first forays into a large expanding business. Things are, are growing at, a, at, a, at an amazing pace for me and my company. And we're, we're, we're looking to be an actual, something bigger than just Tim Pool, just Timcast. There's going to be a bunch of different media, media properties and different media companies. We're going to do different things. Skateboarding, gaming, music, all this stuff. It could have been here. It could have been awesome. It could have been a reason for people to want to be in New Jersey, to want to come down to these areas. And now it won't be because I can't take that risk. You want to you have the governor make a, a statement specifically talking about one small gym. That is like somebody, it's like, man, just, just crushing someone under the boot of the, the power of your state. It's just two guys in a small business, man. That's it. And that's what, what we, can, we can expect. Sorry, you don't deserve my business, man. Delaware's right across the river. Philly's right across the river. West Virginia's not that far away. I can go to any place and open this business and I'm going to do it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel and I'll see you all then. 
It's the beginning of the end for Reddit as the walls are closing in following a bombshell report. I hope you got that joke, by the way. Anyway, a top Reddit user who's widely despised and heavily criticized for a long period of time is now stepping back. And this is significant because this individual has been accused for a very long time of manipulating the platform and being given essentially carte blanche by the company to do these things. A new a post has been going viral on Reddit. If you're not familiar with Reddit, I'm assuming most of you are. It is one of the most traffic sites in the world. It is heavily politically biased, and that bias may now be crushing it. A list emerged showing how almost all of the top subreddits, these are, these are platforms, that uh, forums that have millions of users are all being run by the exact same people. And this is public information everybody knew. This shows where some of the political bias may actually be coming from, and we can explain why it's happening. I want to read you this story from the Daily Dot. Reddit's top user says he's done after being outed. A widely circulated post has proved to be the last straw for some of Reddit's top users. What I find funny about the story is that it very much defends these top heavily hated, very, very much so hated users. Before we read this, though, I want to give you some context about the importance of Reddit. First of all, it's one of the most trafficked websites in the world. Secondly, it hosts individually some of the biggest political forums and cultural forums in the world. They have a politics subreddit. It has what I think six or seven million subscribers. Imagine you were on Twitter and there was an account with seven million followers that was tweeting out all this stuff and they were all run by the same people. I think this is why we see the political bias we do. But what we're seeing now is the political bias absolutely crush a website as big as Reddit. I believe political bias will ultimately result in the downfall of many of these big platforms. With all of the social media censorship we've seen over the past few years, alternatives have risen up. Now we're hearing Joe Rogan is leaving YouTube and iTunes to go exclusively to Spotify at the end of the year. To many, this signals the beginning of the end for YouTube. They're losing the biggest podcast in the world. And this is a guy who's getting millions of views every day he posts. He's out. Perhaps he doesn't see a benefit. Perhaps there's too much risk. In my opinion, as someone who's on YouTube, the risk is too great. I've had videos censored, silenced, shut down. So yeah, alternatives are very, very important. Right now, we're watching what may be the beginning of the end for Reddit. And I say that half jokingly, but I really do mean it. I think one of the big reasons we've seen such political censorship is a combination of the culture war, but also corporate marketing. I think corporate marketing plays a huge role in why these, these websites are biased in favor of the left. As long as the mainstream media supports it, it sounds like a popular opinion, and they'll follow that because advertisers get scared when they hear naughty words in the press. So Reddit, for some reason, has its biggest platforms run by the same like five people. And this sparks a lot of outrage because these five people, too many, are clearly manipulating the platform. Here's what happens. For those that aren't familiar with how Reddit works, anyone can post a link within certain rules of each separate forum. People will then choose to upvote or downvote. If it gets more upvotes, the post moves up and becomes more visible, which is the front page. If the post gets too many downvotes, it eventually just disappears. If it gets an even balance, balance, it becomes controversial. In the beginning, you might have a post that says, you know, Donald Trump does a backflip and you have equal parts liberal, equal parts conservative. They both vote on it equally. It becomes a controversial post or most people agree Trump did a backflip. It goes up. Eventually, the platform platforms like Reddit start targeting specifically conservatives, notably the Donald subreddit. 
For those that aren't familiar, I talk about this quite, quite a bit. MIT Technology, T- Technology Review says the Donald, which is the, one of the largest Donald Trump, uh, 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 Donald Trump forums on the internet, I believe the largest, was one of the largest progenitors of memes on the internet, period. Uh, first 4chan, then the Donald. Memes would fly around and they would typically originate here and on 4chan. YouTube quarantined this subreddit, Donald Trump supporters. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders, politics, all these other forms swing heavily to the left and are completely ignored and allowed to run rampant. Recently, I was on the Joe Rogan podcast and I mentioned that the Donald subreddit was quarantined because the site said that they had been threatening police. Sounds like a very, very strange thing to accuse conservatives of doing. Seems like it may have been shills or fake, or at the very least, it d- didn't warrant getting your entire sub- the, the entire forum, the largest Trump supporting forum shut down. Following this, I had a bunch of people, you know, commenting, saying like, Tim didn't, g- didn't give the full picture. The Donald was breaking so many rules and Reddit never called them out for it, blah, blah, blah. That's only technically the truth. It's the best kind of the truth. You know, the journalists love this, the truth. The reality was there are dozens, hundreds, or even thousands of subreddits that break the rules. There is corporate manipulation. There are sock puppet accounts. The site is rife with with, (laughs) um, malicious intent, to say the least. If someone on the Donald Forum broke a rule and nothing happened, well, it's because that's what happens across the whole site. There are left-wing subreddits that also weren't getting quarantined that were breaking the rules every single day. The Donald got singled out. Here's what happens. When the political bias forces conservatives to leave, then you're left with an imbalance. All of a sudden, there's more liberals than conservatives. So when a post happens, you get seven, you know, you get seven out of 10 being liberal. It almost always swings to the left. This creates a cascade effect where more and more conservatives leave because they can never get an opinion in edgewise. And then the site starts leaning so far to the left, it topples over. I believe the main reason for censoring sites like the Donald pressure campaigns from activists. And this works because advertisers just believe progressive politics are the norm. There was a study I covered a couple of years ago that mapped Twitter and showed the overlap between different communities. You had the political right, the political left. Then you had the culture war right, the culture war left. The resistance faction was in between. Digital marketing for brands overlapped with the resistance. It's why every single company puts out a rainbow flag logo, uh, you know, in February or whatever, or I think it's February. I don't know. April. I don't know what the month is, but it's because they're all like, this is what people are, are comfortable with. This is what sells. They think that's the safe move to make. So it's no surprise then we see stories like this where you have the same people all running the same forums and it's no surprise people are angry about it. Now, of course, it comes to politics later on. I believe we're witnessing the beginning of the end for Reddit because of this. To what extent, I don't know. But I will tell you, we all used MySpace. I say we all as in like a lot of us, you know, trendsetters were on MySpace. I was on first. I think it was like LiveJournal and Journal. Then MySpace came. Or I'm sorry, Friendster was first. Then MySpace. Then Facebook. Whenever the cool people would leave, those sites would start to falter. And the cool people, I mean, I was like the creators the influencers, the people who made content who wanted to be somewhere else. They would go somewhere else, make stuff, and then people would follow because they wanted stuff. Well, now we can see Joe Rogan leaving YouTube. I wonder if YouTube will eventually start losing its position because they have chased us into a corner. I tell you what, man, I watch Hulu. They swear all day and night, but I go on, I go on YouTube and I can't say, I can't say these words. 
So, you know, YouTube will derank, demonetize. If you swear, you get demonetized. Yeah, but Hulu runs ads on swears. You see, we're in a special box where YouTube is terrified of this kind of thing. These power users who, you know, look, I don't know if y'all saw the story, but there was like a trans other kin deer person who was moderating Twitch and it became a huge controversy because these are the people who take power and then start censoring and banning people for whatever reason. But this ultimately lends itself to the political bias. Let's let's read the story now that you have like a general understanding, because I want to explain to you how I think this is the beginning of the end for the major big tech companies. Maybe not, but this is a crack in the armor. The Daily Dot reports, one of Reddit's most prolific pollsters, uh, posters and moderators is speaking out about the continuing harassment and threats he's experienced on the platform and what he sees as a lack of support from administrators. Robert Allum, known to, uh, to editors as Galloboob, is one of Reddit's most famous users. He leads the site in Karma Points, more than 36 million, and oversees dozens of subreddits. As someone influential on the internet, Alum is familiar with backlash. He says he has, uh, uh, he, he says has come in waves over the years. One of the biggest criticisms of this person is that, that he reposts things. He takes other people's content and reposts it and it goes viral. That he works for viral marketing companies. That's what they claim. And he controls all of these different sites, but he also all all these different forms, and he uses his power to silence anyone who opposes him. Take a look at this. Here's an image. R slash opposing Galloboob has been banned from Reddit. A lot of people have reported that whenever they speak out about this person, they get suspended or banned or, or blocked from a bunch of high profile mainstream forums. That means if you don't bend the knee to the corporate overlord, you don't get to participate. Sounds an awful lot like what we see in a lot of other social media sites. What I find fascinating here is that it's very much so like how the media operates. You have all these journalists who are in positions of of relative power. They write for mainstream media corporations where they're guaranteed to get access to eyeballs. They can lie. They can cheat. They can smear. They can smear me. They can smear you. And then when someone calls them out, they go, we're under attack. Help, help. We're being harassed. We're being harassed. Let me tell you something, buddy. If you got 36 million karma points and you're moderating some of the biggest forums on one of the biggest sites in the world, you're surprised that people send you mean tweets or or, or mean messages. It's completely absurd. You are the elites. You are the power structure. It reminds me of like the Hunger Games, the capital city people who are like, oh, you know, uh, we're, you know, we're like, they're all fancy wearing fine clothes, drinking Ipecac to vomit and keep eating. Meanwhile, everyone else beneath them was complaining. They're like, what's the problem? What's the problem, right? These are the elites who are mad when the peasants speak up and challenge them. Well, now some of these high profile users are dropping out. Some people believe that Gallo Boob and some of these others actually work for the company. Take a look at this. You have all of these users moderating all of the biggest forums on Reddit. Now, most of them are not super political. You've got gaming, picks, movies, AMA, life pro tips, art, you know, TIF, today I effed up, 2X chromosomes, etc. But some of them are absolutely overtly political. More importantly, these are the biggest subreddits. And as I've mentioned before, if you go to r slash all, which is all of the subreddits, you will see many of these, these forums. And for some reason, they're anti-Trump. It's the weirdest thing. Picks. Number five. This is a subreddit for just pictures, meaning people log in, they post a photograph, and then people look at it. A bunch of anti-Trump photos started popping up. And I was thinking, why, why is this happening? It's nothing to do with, 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 with pictures. It's a picture of Trump and complaining about him. Recently, 
we saw r slash world politics, the largest international political forum on the internet. As my understanding, it's like 1.6 million subscribers. That's massive. And now it's devolved into, I think, a Warhammer subreddit because before it was, you know, it was called Gone Wild. It was women revealing all, right? Before that, it was cartoon women revealing all. And the reason for it was that someone started posting anti-Trump memes saying, you know, upvote this negative thing about Trump. And it broke the rules. It broke the site rules, vote manipulation. And the moderators wouldn't do anything about it. This is a clear violation of the rules favoring the left. Where, where were the moderators? So what ended up happening was people just flooded the site saying, if there's no rules, there's no rules. And then boom, there it is. Uh, I'll also give a shout out to um, the Donald subreddit, which moved to the Donald.win because of things like this. The rules for the left don't apply for the most part. It's typical of what we see on all of these different social media platforms. And again, I believe it's because marketing companies think they're safer there. The people who run these platforms are like, you know, if a left-wing person says something, then it's probably not going to bother the advertisers. And it's probably because a lot of these advertisers are in big cities in New York, where you have a high concentration of leftists. And so they just, they don't care. And they let these things run rampant. People, I mean, you, you look at the, uh, the wave of the punch a Nazi thing that happened. These were overt violations of social media rules, calls to violence, directing people towards other people and saying, punch them or hurt them. I'm not, uh, so look, the, the, the point I'm bringing up is you can see how if you call out Antifa and threaten violence, they'll ban you. But we had a big wave of mainstream media and journalists, and they thought that was all acceptable. Not that I think, you know, these people are worthy of a defense. The point is the principle, not calling things, you know, not, not inciting violence. But when the left did it, they got away with it. That's the main issue. It's the perfect example. And it trails down into all of these uh, uh, other uh, subreddits. That's why when you see these sub- subreddits where like r slash facepalm number 64, there's Galloboob. There's Sixy. Facepalm has been posting a ton of leftist anti-Donald Trump stuff. It's all political bias. Well, the people now who are calling it out aren't even calling out for politics. They're arguing that these people are working for companies, marketing firms. And I'll tell you this. If it's true that these people work for marketing firms and they're trying to sell, I don't know, like Tide Pods or like Coke or Pepsi or something, doesn't it also stand to reason that political firms and, and companies will come to them and say, how much do you want to promote these negative opinions, do attack ads? right? And they would. So maybe that's why we're seeing these people post this stuff. You know, uh, instant regret, dad jokes, mildly infuriating. A lot of these things, for some reason, just became inundated with anti-Trump sentiment. Let's go back to read a little bit more about this uh, the story. It's funny because the Daily Dot is writing a sympathetic piece for an extremely powerful individual who manipulates one of the largest websites in the world. They say the list of top moderators has been circulating on the site for the past month, but it went viral towards the end of last week. Though the names of subreddit moderators are publicly available, the image still struck a nerve with Redditors like Rootin' Tootin' Putin, who was one of many that reposted it. The users say they hoped to shed a little bit of light on just how monopolized Reddit has become. Once a fairly free site, in the wake of these power mods, it has become restricted and apersonal. Rootin' Tootin' Putin continued in an email to the Daily Dot. The point of peer moderators was to ensure the persons in charge of a sub was someone who genuinely cares about the topic. These power mods undermine this entirely. The most popular post was the one I showed you, over 100,000 upvotes. The situation has gone far past the point of criticism and is now generating targeted harassment of numerous people. Yeah, sorry, spare me. I don't care. Let's just, we'll, we'll jump to the end. They say mental health issues for moderators, blah, blah, blah. Don't care. Unlike Reddit's volunteer model, the majority of other social platforms pay for moderation. 
Alum says he plans to step away from the vast majority of his moderating responsibilities, acknowledging that those who took issue with his role are getting their desired outcome. They think they won, but others are going to replace us. The admins don't care if they lose moderators too, because 50 new mods are going to be like, yep, I'll take over, but they have no idea what they're getting into. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's a post from 2019 alleging gallo boob of corporate shilling of blatant rule violations and getting away with it. Sure, the admins don't care. They give you all the power and then you complain when people finally call you out. Absolute, what was it? Power, corrupt, power corrupts and absolute power tends to corrupt. Absolutely. These people all have their political opinions. They all think they know what is right. And they were given way too much power over Reddit. And thus, Reddit will suffer for it. I believe Reddit is going to eventually become, it's going the way of Facebook, I suppose, right? Think about what Facebook is. Facebook is bleeding millennial and Gen Z users. It's mostly being used by older people. A utility to message people, I suppose. I don't really use it anymore. To be honest, I have a page. It's managed by a company that posts my videos there because, you know, why not? I also post to other, other platforms as well. I don't care for Facebook. Facebook for the past couple of years has, been, has seen a mass exodus of younger users looking for something more intimate, more fun. I mean, young people are all on TikTok dancing around. I see kids out in the street doing weird dances and I'm laughing like, yep, there it is. They're doing TikTok again. Not Facebook. When Reddit becomes bogged down by boring corporate garbage, that's all, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the leftist memes are insufferable. That's the thing. It's like, dude, Nancy Pelosi called Trump morbidly obese. I laughed very, very hard. It was funny. Her delivery, whether it was intentional or not, was hilarious. She was like, you know, Trump was taking hydroxychloroquine and she was asked about it. And she said, I'm concerned about someone in his age group. And, you know, let's be honest, his weight group, morbidly obese. And I laughed. I did. And it's funny because the Trump supporters posted this (laughs) this image of Trump playing tennis that looks bad. He's mocked for. And they make fun of him all the time. They don't care because they can take a joke and they don't get mad about it. But I thought it was hilarious to see this, to see this humor, you don't get this stuff on the, on the, on the, uh, you don't, you don't get a sense of humor on these posts. It's not so much about saying something funny. It's these insufferable leftist posts that all say the same things that call the orange man bad. They're not original. They're not interesting. It is just, I'm so over it, dude. I go to Reddit. I want to see something interesting. And what do I get? Another picture of Donald Trump standing next to Vladimir Putin or something with the stupidest saying. It's like you see all these posts where they're like advocating for socialism and it's just the most, it's the stupidest. We get it. I get it. I get it, man. I don't go on Reddit because I want to see you say the same thing 50 billion times. These people got to go. The reason you see these posts, in my opinion, is because the same five people apparently run everything and approve and disapprove of everything. And these are the things they like to like, (laughs) someone's making fun of Trump again. Upvote. Someone's, someone's, you know, uh, you, there's, there's a subreddit called Watch Reddit Die, and they cover this, how the moderators will ban conservative opinion and they'll prop up leftist opinion. Why? It's their bias. And you see this, how Reddit is run. It's the beginning of the end. Maybe not. I don't know. I can't make these predictions. All I can tell you is big social media sites are facing comeuppance. With Joe Rogan leaving, he's got like 8 million uh, subscribers on YouTube. I mean, he was getting close to getting that diamond award, you know? He leaves. He's been there for what? Nearly a decade. And now he's going to Spotify on a massive deal. Good for him. But Spotify might actually might actually offer some protections. Look, on iTunes, I can swear. I can say a lot of things on YouTube. I can't. Because I use YouTube as my primary place of, of publishing, that means everything is derivative of what YouTube allows me to say. Now, keep in mind, 
I have said a ton of things that can get me in serious trouble on YouTube, but I've been shadow banned. I won't refrain from telling a story or, saying, or speaking my mind and my opinion because of YouTube. It just means I have to be wary of swears and stuff like that. I can't say that CIA guy's name without getting my video banned. Now, now, now that's truly, truly terrifying, truly terrifying. So there are some things that have held me back. And because of it, I'm absolutely looking for alternatives. What we see on Reddit, what we see on YouTube, what we see on Facebook, it's spelling a potential beginning of the end. I'm kind of worried about it, to be honest. There are freer alternatives. There are websites like BitChute and Minds where you can post what you want within reason. And there are uh, forums like Spotify, which are more open. Like my, my podcast is on Spotify. I just click submit and then a day later, boom, it was there. It's not as easy as YouTube, where on YouTube, you can just start a channel and post whatever you want. But getting in the partner program is more difficult. I don't know if Spotify pays, actually. I should look into that. But anyway, we may be moving towards a semi-gated social media world where Spotify will allow you to be on it after they approve you. And it could take like a day. But YouTube has gone too far. So is Reddit. So is Twitter. So is Facebook. The political bias is unsafe. One of the reasons I think Joe Rogan may have been very comfortable moving to Spotify is that he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to worry about saying the wrong thing on YouTube anymore. I just went on his podcast and, and, and said, there's a name you can't say. And I was like, I can't tell you. He was write it down. I wrote it down. I'm like, but don't say it. He's like, why can't I say the name? Don't ask me. Guess what? On Spotify, <laughs> I bet he can say it. So we'll see how things play out, man. I, this, this one may have been a bit in the weeds, but Reddit is one of the biggest sites in the world. Ranked 19, you know, worldwide, I believe. This is huge. This, this could be the beginning of the end. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at timcast.net. Click, go there. In the description, you'll see timcast.net. Check it out. It's a different channel. Many of you may have not been to. Most of you probably know what it is, but if you haven't, check it out. I'll see you there uh, at 4 p.m. Famous MSNBC host Karen Brzezinski, I'm sorry, I mean Micah Brzezinski, is outraged that Donald Trump is tweeting naughty words and tweeting things about Morning Joe host Joe Scarborough. She's really upset. She went on a tirade tweeting about how Trump needs to be banned. And I kid you not, she actually was like, I'm going to call Jack Dorsey. Jack, please take my call. Donald Trump must be banned, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Did she lose it? And she is getting torn apart over this one. Check this out. Micah Brzezinski criticizes cruel, sick, disgusting Trump calls for POTUS to be banned from Twitter. And I actually have a bunch of her tweets. So here's the first thing I saw from her. I saw this tweet going viral where she's like, I'll be speaking with the managers or the higher ups at Twitter to talk about Donald Trump. And everybody was laughing because they were like, ha ha ha, she's gone full Karen, right? Like I demand to speak to the manager. That's what she was doing. And so I didn't think it was that big of a story. I was like, yeah, well, you know, a lot of people have tweeted this stuff. We've seen it before. So I went to her Twitter. I, I looked it up. And, and she, she went off the deep end, man. Like Trump has broken the brains of these people. Now, Trump, you can criticize for being a potty mouth and all that. But she has like seven or eight tweets and her thread is like, Trump, 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 ban him libel. Oh, you can't say these things. Man, she was losing it. And she's tweeting like, thank you to everybody who supports, supports uh, me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself like, man, what would happen if we had a political class that didn't act like bickering fifth graders? You know, I wonder what it would be like. Those were, the, those were the good old days. Huh? Let's read the story from the Daily Caller. MSNBC host Micah Brzezinski went after President Trump on Wednesday morning, calling him sick and personally lobbying to have his Twitter account banned. That sick, Donald, you're a sick person. Brzezinski said in response to Trump's repeated tweets about allegations that Joe Scarborough, Micah's husband and co-host, killed his congressional intern. <laughs> this is politics in 2020, apparently. 
Trump asked Wednesday morning on Twitter why Psycho Scarborough was allowed to walk the streets. <laughs> here's what uh, here's what Trump tweeted. Quote, I said no to a deal, Lou. If if, uh, if I would be willing to re-remember, they would recommend no jail time. I said, no, the president needs to be reelected, Lou. One of the greatest presidents in my, in, in my lifetime. I would never give false testimony against him. Roger Stone has been treated very fairly. I, I think this is the wrong to. Oh, OK, there it is. Yep, there it is. Roger Stone has been treated very unfairly. How about that Jerry Foreman? Does anybody think that was fair? Disgraceful, I say. Uh, are disgraceful. Stay tuned. Fox News and guys like low rating psycho Joe Scarborough are allowed to walk the streets. Open cold case. Oh, man. OK, OK, let's read. You're a sick person to put this family through this, to put her husband through this, to do this just because you're mad at Joe, because Joe got you again today, Brzezinski said. Twitter, you shouldn't be allowing this and you should be taking these tweets down and you should be ashamed of yourself. You'll be hearing from me on this because this is BS, she added. Oh, sounds like sounds like Karen is angry. But Donald, you're a sick person. You're really a cruel, sick, disgusting person. Micah, do you know what the Streisand effect is? I can't believe I'm having to deal with this right now. Now everyone's going to want to know about why Trump is calling Joe a psycho. You just amplified everything he was saying. And you wouldn't stop. I'm going to show you this. It's crazy. The MSNBC host went on Twitter following the show Wednesday, calling for Trump to be banned and, and ordering Twitter to take down Trump's account. Cry baby, huh? Just whining. She said, I will be reaching out to head of Twitter about their policies being violated every day by President Trump. Hope my call is taken. Please retweet if you agree. Oh, it hurts. A cringe. Here's another one. At Twitter, need to know why Trump is not banned. Yep. At Jack, please take my call today. Please stop allowing your platform policies to be abused by the day. It's called libel. At Jack, at what point is Twitter part of this? Take down Trump's account. All caps, by the way. The world would be safer. Retweet if you agree. The show has long had a complicated relationship with Trump, first being close to him, but later becoming adversarial. Just this week, Scarborough claimed that Trump was lying about taking hydroxychloroquine. Now, there's a couple of things to talk about. First, you may be asking, Tim, why is Donald Trump saying Joe Scarborough uh, is, is shouldn't be allowed to walk the streets? And why is Micah so mad about it? You see, a long, long time ago, Joe Scarborough had an intern. One day, the intern was found with, I, be, I, I could begin the details wrong, but my understanding is a blunt force trauma to the head, now being dead. It was uh, later determined, this is the official story, that she had an underlying heart condition, I believe, and passed out, hit her head, and then died. But video resurfaced um, from an old show where Joe Scarborough, I think it was Howard Stern, I'm not entirely sure. Joe Scarborough was joking. No, no, it wasn't Howard Stern. I can't remember who it was, but they were like, Someone said to Joe, you told me that you were having an affair with your intern and had to kill her in order to win or something like that. And Joe Scarborough laughs and he's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yep. Like it was a joke. So I'll tell you what, Micah, you want to get all mad because Trump keeps tweeting about it. That's fine. But like Joe was even joking about it back in the day. So I'm not going to play any games. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about the case. And it's like 20 years ago. So I think it's stupid to kind of bring up or whatever. But she got so angry and snapped off on this that now we have this just like wave of tweets from Micah Brzezinski. And she tweeted again. I wonder if the latest tweet she had has any. Look at what is this? What is she doing? She is nuts. She she went off the deep end, man. All right, we'll come back to this. Karen has lost her mind. So this is all of these tweets. 
Here she says, curious Twitter. Why not delete Trump's misleading tweets? Twitter deleted two tweets from Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro for spreading coronavirus misinformation. A call is being set up with Jack and the GC. Thanks for your interest. I will keep you posted. Micah responds to Trump tweet. Here's one. What this is the one where she's like, take down Trump's account. Brr. Will, Will Chamberlain saying you mad. What is this? Twitter needs uh, need to know why Trump is not banned. What is this? I will be reaching out to the heads. Karening intensifies. Yes, she's actually calling for the manager on this one. Take a look at her Twitter account. She's lost it. What is this? Look at all of the she's just spamming. Look at this. This is ridiculous. She's really gone off the deep end, man. So she's tweeting at who's Ron, uh, uh, Ron for California. She's tweeting at political short. Is she just spamming this daily show thing on, on Trump to all of these conservatives or something or people criticizing her? I don't get it. Or is it because it's like she thinks it's evidence that Trump has said things where she get taken down? Look at her Twitter threads. She talks about like hydroxychloroquine and stuff and how, you know, Trump shouldn't be promoting it. She just went nuts. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the hydroxychloroquine, I suppose. But we could also talk about this idea where these people think that, you know, they should have a right to, to control what other people are saying on Twitter. First and foremost, what happened to but my private platform? If Donald Trump wants to spit and yowl and say crazy stuff, well, what are you going to do about it, right? Apparently, she's mad and she's now spamming this at, in like rage against Trump, arguing that he's a conspiracy theorist or whatever. It's bad enough that we've got all these social media platforms that have been banning people for their opinions. The last thing we need is someone like Micah Brzezinski to lose their mind. But hey, you know what? It makes her look nuts. It doesn't make Trump look bad. Trump makes himself look bad to, to, to certain groups of people. He does it on his own. I guess that's the game, man. Micah Brzezinski knows that this tirade will be good for ratings. Trump gave her an in, and this is what she goes for. And I kind of wonder if, if, if someone could even win at this point in any kind of political space or in the media if they weren't being bombastic and angry. Because I'll tell you what, on Twitter, you know, I cuss a bit and I get more heated and passionate and people say they love it. In the videos, I'm much more mild mannered, I, I suppose. And there are a lot of people who really, really love it when I do more angry videos. People love it. They love the passion. They love the raw emotion. And I think it's kind of bad in, in, in a lot of ways. Trump tweets out something dumb. Don't take the bait. I think Trump knows what he's doing for sure. Trump knows she'll go off. Now she looks nuts to a certain group of people. Both sides, I think, are betting on winning over certain people by doing so. I think for Micah, it probably was just emotion, an emotional outburst. But I'd be willing to bet that the reason, you know, her show allows her to do this is because it's, 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 it's because they know it'll generate ratings. She's got almost a million followers. She said uh, she's she tweeted something about, you know, uh, hydroxychloroquine. What is this? I'm going to bed. Wacky day. I thought I heard the president say he took that dangerous drug that is not approved and could cause heart ailments. It's another example of it, right? She's playing the same game. She's doing the same thing. Joe Biden recently came out and was asked about it. And he said, what in God's name does he think he's doing? It's like, are they really mad about this? Do they really care what Trump says? I'm sorry, man. I think it's performance art. Just a few minutes ago, before I started recording, Brian Stelter unironically retweeted a left-wing advocacy nonprofit as if it was factual information. It's like he's not even pretending anymore. It was right-wing watch, by the way. So to see Brian Stelter be like, I'm giving you the facts. Here's a fundraising organization for left-wing advocacy. I'm treating as real news. Then you have Donald Trump talking about his doctor, you know, offering, you know, telling him like, here, you can take this medicine. 
And all these people are now coming out arguing it's wrong. I had one person respond to me saying, Tim, don't you realize it's dangerous for Donald Trump to promote this medication? And I'm like, you need a prescription to get it. Donald Trump can say it all the time. You go to your doctor, your doctor will say yes or no. End of story. You ever see those commercials where they're like, is like Florbanol good for you? Call your doctor and find out. They never complained about any of those commercials. And so what I said, my point was, if all of this fake outrage comes out saying you shouldn't take the medication, that's worse. If your doctor prescribes it, now you're scared because Biden's saying it, it's worse. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to get off on ty- a tirade about hydroxychloroquine. The point is, Michael Brzezinski pretending to be angry. I mean, maybe she, <laughs> she looks nuts. Maybe she's not pretending. Maybe she's gone full Karen. How many tweets did she send? Like 50? Okay, in all reality, like there's like maybe 15 or 20 tweets of all of the same clip from The Daily Show. The Daily Show isn't news, Micah Brzezinski. It's a comedy program where they make things up. I'll leave it there. You follow Karen if you want. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes, and I'll see you all shortly. Are you a wealthy, pretentious elite? Do you drive a Prius? Did you upgrade and go for the Tesla because you can afford it? Well, the good news is that now you are apparently far right because the liberal status symbol is now far right, I guess, because the New York Times says Tesla owners try to make sense of Elon Musk's red pill moment. A liberal status symbol now has a founder who is moving to the right. Why? Because he tweeted something from the movie The Matrix. You know what, man? This is just reaching. But if people are really now questioning owning an electric car because Don, uh, or because, I'm sorry, because Elon Musk tweeted something and Ivanka Trump replied to it, you've you, you've got to really reflect on this. But uh, let's read what New York Times, uh, the New York Times thinks about Elon Musk tweeting a meme. Here's what they write: Owning a Tesla. The oh, it's by Nellie Bolas. I, I, didn't didn't she like smear Jordan Peterson or something? Owning a Tesla, the luxurious electric car is a major liberal status symbol. It signals nothing more than good taste. <laughs> what? The perfect balance of wealth with, with care for fossil fuels. But the man behind the brand is crafting a very different persona online that may now prove to be a challenge for his fans. Hold on, hold on. Didn't Donald Trump in the past have some kind of like economic board that Elon Musk was a part of or something like that? Maybe I'm wrong. Elon Musk, the bombastic head of Tesla and SpaceX, exhorted his 34 million Twitter followers on Sunday to take the red pill. The comment was quickly embraced by his followers, including Ivanka Trump, President Trump's eldest daughter, who announced that she had taken the pill already. Well, she just had taken. The exchange referred to a scene from The Matrix, the 1999 science fiction action film, but the meaning of red pill and the idea of taking it have since percolated in online forums and become deeply uh, a deeply political metaphor. And with Mr. Musk and Miss, and Miss Trump, the phrase is now lodged more fully into the mainstream. So Tesla owners are having to grapple with a car that carries a few new connotations. Quote, honestly, Musk is becoming a liability and the Tesla board needs to seriously seriously consider outing him, wrote Marcos Molitsis, author of The Resistance Handbook, 45 Ways to Fight Trump. Oh yeah, I'll take his word for it. And I say that as a proud owner of a Tesla and a SpaceX fanatic who truly appreciates what he built. Let me get this straight. One person tweeted something. One person who was already a resistance member anti-Trump tweeted something. And you've crafted a whole article arguing that they now must grapple with the new image of Elon Musk because Elon Musk tweeted one thing. We get the politics that we deserve, man. So what is the red pill? We know what the red pill is. In The Matrix, the movie's hero, Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, 
is given the option to take the pill to let him see the truth. The world thinks the world he thinks is real turns out to be an entertaining lie. Yeah, we, we, we know all that stuff. The idea of taking the red pill later grew to mean waking up to society's grand lies. It was embraced by the right, especially by members of its youngest cohort who organized and spent their time in online forums like Reddit and 4chan, an extremely reductive point of view, I, I might add. The truth to be woken up to varied, but it ended up usually being about gender. No, I mean, to some people, it's, it's, it's mostly just a reference to like the media's lying to you. To be red-pilled meant you discovered that feminism was a scam that ruined the lives of boys and girls. In this view, for a, uh, in this view, for a male to refuse the red pill was to be weak. Yes, but this is like one specific group of people. Red pill forums were often filmed, fil- filled with deeply misogynistic and often. Okay, what does this have to do with Tesla? What, what is this? Um, the more extreme elements splintered into groups like incels, male separatists, MGTOWs, conferences like the 21 convention and its sister convention, Make Women Great Again, sprang up to gather red pilled men. Being red pilled became a sort of umbrella term for all of it. As these conversations seeped in the mainstream, pulled along by a host of other internet language from message boards, Republicans, blah, blah, blah. Okay, what? Wait, this is so ridiculous. Okay, so what's going on with Elon Musk? Musk has been pretty wild online for years now. You know, you know, you know what my response is to the red pill thing? Imagine if someone asked you what woke meant and you said, well, anybody who claims to be woke, it's typically, you know, part of the authoritarian communist faction of Stalinists and Marxists. They're violent authoritarians. You'd be like, wow, that's an extremely like it's an extremely narrow framing of it because you want people to think uh, uh, like uh, immediately you want them to uh, assume negative things. If I was going to be honest, I would say there are a lot of mainstream people who are woke. Wokeness is a reference to leftist cultural social justice issues. A lot of people who are woke are politically uninitiated and don't really pay attention all that much. And there are more extreme elements like, you know, Antifa who tend to be woke, the far left authoritarians. But if you talked about red pill, the easiest way to put it, red pill is a reference to those who have joined some kind of cultural right wing uh, faction. And woke is some kind of left wing uh, culture war faction. That's about it. It, but the, what she does by, by you know, referencing incels and all these things, it's, it's a way to frame the narrative. Or she is just fringe leftist. Musk has been pretty wild online for years now. It's made him an internet celebrity, blah, blah, blah. Most recently, Mr. Musk has, Musk has been a prominent skeptic online of the coronavirus, calling the response to it, to, to it a panic and dumb. No, he said the panic around it was dumb. That's fair. And wrongly predicting close to zero new cases by April. As of Tuesday, there were more than 90,000 deaths from the virus and more than 1.5 million cases in the U.S. alone. The night before Tesla's earnings were released last month, Mr. Musk tweeted an anti-lockdown rallying cry, free America now. He had a showdown with local lawmakers threatening to move Tesla headquarters out of California, and it looks like he's going to do it, and deciding to reopen a Tesla factory in Fremont, California, despite the local county's restrictions to prevent the virus from spreading. When state assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez objected on May 9th with an obscene tweet. Mr. Musk responded, message received, defending his reopening of the. F- so, so hold on, man. If you want to know why, why, why Elon Musk wants to say take the red pill and it's really about politics, can I just point to the fact that a Democrat told him to F off basically? So do you think now he's going to be like, I'm so sorry, I'll just be a Democrat? No, he's going to be like, F you back. Message received. They go on to mention, I guess, that he named his kid XAI12. I think apparently that's how you, how you pronounce it, XAI. 
Um, here, we'll, we'll read more. Elon, uh, here's Bill Zaletsky, an analyst from Argus Research, saying, we have a phrase. It's EMM, Elon moves markets. People want to listen to him no matter what he says. He tends to be thought of as a great visionary. So uh, Zaletsky said, even Mr. Musk's detractors parsed every tweet and utterance. Plus, if you have a Tesla, nobody can ever complain about you because you're good for society. This leads back to Mr. Musk's message on Sunday, telling his followers to take the red pill. Do the Matrix creators like this? No. Lily Wachowski, a Matrix creator, told Mr. Musk and Ms. Uh, Trump in colorful language they could take a hike. Yeah, they said, F both, F both of you. Is red pill a Silicon Valley thing? To some extent, what? There has been a long strain of men's rights activism in Silicon Valley. Are you kidding? Oh, it is painful to read this. Ideological fringe ineptitude and ignorance. Exemplified by James Damore, who was fired after writing a memo arguing that the reason there are fewer female engineers is biological differences rather than discrimination. The funny thing about Damore was that it was literally their argument. It was the feminist argument that women weren't being approached properly, that these workplaces were catering to men. And he said, maybe they're right. And they went bigot and they got rid of the guy. It's, it's, you know, there's no winning. Learn your lesson, people, no matter what you say to them, they will say you're wrong. We see it in the media with Trump. We see it with James Damore. James Damore wrote a paper basically saying maybe we're not making the workplaces female friendly. And they called him a bigot misogynist for a men's rights activist. I kid you not. Not only that, here's the funniest thing. Google doesn't isn't even racial, doesn't even have racial parity among white people. It, it underrepresents white people. I kid you not. It's true. The company is mostly white, but that doesn't mean anything. The, the amount of people, it's like white people at Google are like 55% compared to like 70% of the country. That's not racial parity. So James Damore, I don't know how to tell you, man. He was actually advocating for their leftist positions, racial parity and accommodating women. They say he's a folk hero, whatever. This is a stupid, this is such a dumb article. First of all, the article is too long. And uh, many implored Elon Musk to stop, blah, blah, blah. Tesla owner and fan here. But this was a disappointing tweet, despite the frustrations of holdups. Words are weapons, especially when used during situations like the one we're currently experiencing. You sound just like Trump in this tweet. In the last two months, there's been this polarization in the Elon Musk fan club. Listen, Elon Musk wasn't wrong about the lockdowns. And this is why I think Trump is going to win. You can look at all the polls. You can argue that Biden's going to win. But I'll tell you what, regular people are being converted and walking away every single day. Donald Trump said, liberate these states, open the economy. He wanted things to be opened back up. He kept advocating for it. Elon Musk, a business you know, magnate, said, we need to do this. And then he got attacked by Democrats for it. So you can sit there with your ears plugged and your hands over your eyes and act like Elon Musk is, is, is red-pilled, he's, he's a fringe far-right, whatever you want to say. Maybe the reality is just you are wrong. And if even Elon Musk is now saying these things, maybe you're wrong. They don't see it, though. You know, look, maybe I'm wrong. I'll, 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 I will entertain that. I have no problem. But it's crazy to me that for years, the left culture war faction has been wrong on basically everything. It's Jesse Smollett, wrong. Covington, wrong. Russiagate, wrong. Ukraine, wrong. You, know, you get it. You get the point. And then even to this day, they're like, but we're going to maintain our position and just blindly walk off a cliff. Elon Musk, however, he opens his eyes and says, take the red pill. This is what's happening. And they say, wrong. All right. You know what, man? I get it. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, it's always wrong. If that's what you want, then you go ahead and keep doing what you're doing. And when you lose in November, 
you probably won't recognize why, because you'll just think wrong. Everyone's wrong except you, even though you're wrong the whole time. Stick around. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. One of the most important Democratic primaries is set to take place next month. It is New York's 14th district. It is where Ocasio-Cortez is from. And just next door, we have this story. A Trump-friendly anti-AOC Democrat is poised to win a New York House seat with some help from the pandemic. But they go to mention that on the verge of winning is a Trump-loving Democrat in the House. AOC just had a primary debate with her principal opponent, Michelle Caruso Cabrera. She got called out for lying, for essentially abandoning the district. She was gone for a week while she was chilling in D.C. I want to read the story about the debate she had and some of the points that are brought up. But I want to point out why I really do think AOC is on the verge of losing. Look next door. And you've got a guy, you've got a, a cowboy hat wearing city councilman who, who's, a, who's a Trump, who loves Trump, and people think he's going to win. What does that say about AOC's district? Now, she's a celebrity. She has that advantage. But she's getting tore up. Check out this article from QNS. This is a local paper, The Queen's Courier and Courier Sun. Two weekly papers that serve the borough of Queens in New York City. Ocasio-Cortez and Cruz Cabrera debate for first time ahead of June primary for NY14. Well, good on AOC for doing the debate. She kind of boxed herself in because she had challenged the previous Democrat, Joe Crowley. This is a D plus 28 district, I believe, or like D plus 30, I think, which means there's not going to be a real Republican contender, though a bunch of Republicans are running. We'll see how things play out. If AOC wins, I think a Republican could actually win, to be honest. I want to read the story to you because I want to show you what they're saying about AOC when she gets when she got in this debate, she got tore up. And then I want to talk about this Trump loving Democrat who might win. That to me is evidence AOC could really lose. It's a Democrat district, man, but they might still want they, they might still be OK with Trump. Check this out. The story says the gloves were off Monday night as the candidates for the NY 14 congressional district squared off for the first debate prior to the June 23rd primary. Interestingly enough, the Bronx Times spoke with the campaign for Congresswoman AOC Monday morning and was given no notice of the upcoming debate. Yeah, seriously, I didn't know this either. The event hosted by Bronx Net TV featured AOC, Michelle Cruz Cabrera and Barden Khan. Sam Sloan, who had technical difficulties, could not be heard. Throughout the hour, Cruz Cabrera unleashed venom at AOC and did not hold back. In the past week, she had accused AOC of not wanting to hold the debate and now she had her chance. Cruz Cabrera said she values the Democratic Party and is the daughter and granddaughter of immigrants. She described how her family worked overnight shifts and her father was one of the first to go to college. I want to help the people in Queens and the Bronx achieve the same American dream that my parent and grandparents did when they came to this country, she said. Why is AOC always missing in action? Cruz Cabrera qu- questioned where Ocasio-Cortez had been during the pandemic and accused the incumbent congresswoman of being more concerned with TV appearances rather than being a Democrat. The congresswoman responded by saying she fights for 21st century economics, believes health care is a human right, and supports a living wage. She emphasized that she knew the value of hard work since she was a waitress before being elected to office, saying she's a proud member. She noted that she was in her apartment in Washington, D.C. for a week at the onset of COVID-19 because she did not feel well. Otherwise, she said that she has been in the Bronx raising near half a million dollars for relief and handing out food and supplies. But to be fair, AOC has been doing that. But here's where uh, Michelle Crystal Cabrera fires back. 
the real AOC, basically accusing her of lying to this out. In her first debate, Michelle Cruz Cabrera, candidate for New York's 14th, exposed her opponent AOC for lying to the working people of the Bronx and Queens. AOC is a liar and the debate recording proves it. Cruz Cabrera called out AOC, uh, called, called, uh, called her out, quote, AOC remained in her luxury apartment in Washington, D.C. for 10 days while people were dying in the Bronx and Queens. AOC responded by saying she wasn't feeling well. Well, check this out. Here's what they say. The truth is she was feeling fine. She maintained an active schedule of political grandstanding while hunkered down in D.C., 240 miles away from her district, while people were dying in the Bronx and Queens. AOC's active schedule while she wasn't feeling well. March 27th, impassioned speech on the House floor. March 29th, Instagram live with Megan Rapinoe about stimulus checks. Ah, yes, the the women's soccer star who is suing over equal pay. Not feeling well? Well, she had no problem doing a, a live stream with the famous female athlete. March 31st, five minute Instagram live video that includes her making this TikTok. All right. April 1st, make the road organization at 5 p.m. Where do you think your constituents were when they were feeling ill with the coronavirus? It sure was. Uh, where do you think your, your constituents were when they were feeling ill? It sure wasn't D.C. or Whole Foods. It's disappointing. Our congresswoman who was elected by the people ignored us during the height of the crisis. The message is clear. AOC cares more about her ideological agenda and her personal celebrity than she does about the people of her district. It's time for the working people of this district to have a voice. I want to be able to unite and bring results to our communities, concluded Caruso Cabrera. AOC first responded something like she had just finished this vote and was just, you know, you know, uh, biding her time preparing to leave. She didn't mention anything about not feeling well. It seems to me it's a clear lie. Whether or not you actually like her or don't like her, there are some things to praise AOC for, which I think, you know, would be fair. She doesn't always just go with the Democratic Party, though she has kind of fallen in line in recent times. She's called out big tech. She's talked about, you know, stopping the revolving door of lobbyists to Congress with Ted Cruz. These are things I think are great, you know, and, and, and I commend her for. But I do think that her bombastic nature is bad. It's basically the same thing I criticized Donald Trump for. I would prefer politicians who weren't like this. I would prefer get, you know, maybe maybe I'm just uh, a bit too pretentious, I guess, because I would prefer political discourse that wasn't based in just insulting each other all the time. If AOC wants to lie, sit around in a luxury apartment, she could have just said so. She could have said, look, I, I, I just worked a whole lot. I, I had fought really hard for my constituency. I spoke up and I had a few things scheduled. Not, you know, not everything is always based around being in your district 24 seven. There are real things you can do to help by raising awareness on various issues and being in DC. Just because you're in DC doesn't mean you're not helping your district. Perhaps that would have been a better response. But here's why I think we may actually see AOC lose. I mean, first of all, Michelle Caruso Cabrera, she's uh, got TV experience. She's got public, uh, uh, she's got PR experience. She's written a book. She's a very moderate Democrat. In fact, she's been slammed because some of her policies are too GOP friendly. In fact, she opposes universal health care. She says it takes away the health care from working people and their choice. That's, that's bold. That's to the right of where I am on health care. So she's, she's got policies and she's written about policies the Republicans really, really like. I think she's as Republican, uh, as conservative as, as conservative as you can get in a D plus 30 district. So yes, she's the, 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 the child of uh, two generations of immigrants, uh, Latina, very much so a Bronx resident, very much so a Democrat, but right there in the middle. Now take a look at this story. Newsweek says New York's 15th congressional district with Yankee Stadium at its heart 
is home to some of the country's poorest and most diverse people, an Obama oasis bordering AOC's neighborhood. And yet it is on the verge of electing a Trump loving Democrat for its open seat in the House. I tell you what, man, these 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 uh, urban elites might claim they like Trump, but I think that Trump's got a lot of secret support they don't they don't know about or, or people <laughs> people who like Trump or lying. The Democrat is Reverend Ruben Diaz Sr., a flamboyant cowboy hat wearing New York City councilman who immediately distinguished his views when he announced his run in 2019, saying, I am the opposite of AOC in the South Bronx right away. <laughs> he probably lit up a ton of people who are like, that's my guy. <laughs> I'm voting for him. It makes me wonder. AOC is a Twitter personality. Her followers are on Twitter. I wonder if her district really likes her. I mean, look at the amount of people who are running against Ocasio-Cortez. It's nuts. There's like five people on the Democrat side, like seven people on the Republican side. That A lot of people were inspired to run against her. For how long? Joe Crowley, the, the incumbent that, uh, that, that AOC beat, nobody cared. Unopposed, unchallenged. It was like 14 years or like, I don't, he's, he's in there forever. The fourth highest ranking Democrat. AOC squeaks by 17,000 votes in a district of 750,000. And all of a sudden you have all of these people riled up against her. I don't think AOC has the support. I really don't. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be nuts. If like Ilhan Omar, AOC, the squad, they get purged. The, 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 the elections in November, the primary is coming up in a month. And because AOC is in a D plus 30 district, the primary is what matters. I don't, I'm not, I'm not confident that Ocasio-Cortez can win the support of her, her district, which you, you got to realize, uh, but it, it, I could be wrong, right? Let's, uh, we'll entertain both sides. Listen, AOC has championed fringe internet politics, okay? If you have 330 million people in this country, it's not hard to find 6 million that will agree with you, but where are those 6 million? The people who, who push these ideas are an internet community of fringe individuals across the country, not a community. AOC panders to them. So what happens to the people in the Bronx who are probably much, much more moderate, much uh, so much so that they'd actually vote for a guy who came out, put a cowboy hat on and said, I'm anti AOC and I love Trump. And now they're going to vote for the guy. That's what they think is going to happen. What do you think is going to happen in AOC's district? You're going to find a moderate like a Michelle Caruso Cabrera who's going to run and, is, and, and she's got three names, apparently. You know, she's a Latina. She's very similar in a lot of ways to AOC. I think she'll easily capture the people who want a calm, rational, moderate Democrat individual to rep them. It's probably not Joe Crowley. It's definitely not AOC. I think Ocasio-Cortez has spent so much time on the internet. She's been pandering to a group of people that don't have any majority in this country. Online, they seem, they seem to be in the majority because all of these different you know, fringes, it's like literally the fringes being folded up and bunched together and amplified online. But in any of these communities, how many people in AOC's district hold these fringe views? I'd be willing to bet relatively few. But you take the little bits from her district, the little bits from Seattle, the little bits from Portland, Los Angeles, Chicago, all these cities, and then you end up with her having a large following online. Mind you, a lot of people who follow her probably hate her and follow her just because they don't like her. But I think she's attracted a fringe online community. We'll see how things play out. That was big that she didn't show up after that vote in, in, in D.C. for a week and that she was doing live streams with celebrities. I mean, that's going to look really, really bad. This is what AOC wants. She wants to be a celebrity. She wants to be a personality. Well, guess what? When you're running in a district, you rep the district, not the nation. 
She doesn't understand that. But we'll see how things play out. She's got money. She's got fat cash because those people around the country are funneling money to her. One more month. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll see you all tomorrow in the next segment on this channel at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out.